Hey, squaddies. Welcome to this week's episode of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're airing one of our most popular episodes from the past three years. We have hundreds of episodes now, and lately we've been replaying the most well-received and listened to episodes, and you all have been loving it. We're going to keep giving you what you want and give new squaddies the chance to hear past episodes without having to go digging through the archives. New episodes are still launching every other week, while classics like this are airing in between. Enjoy Enjoy the show and happy happy Travel Travel Tuesday. Tuesday. Welcome to the Travel Squad Podcast. We're four friends that grew up together in the same small town. We followed each other to San Diego, and now we adventure the world together. One passport stamp at a time. We're here to share our travel stories and inspire you to go on your own adventures. Even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. Kim. And I'm Dana. And And we're we're the Travel Squad Podcast. So grab your ticket, your passport, and don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Welcome to episode 14 of the Travel Squad podcast. Get ready for another guided tour exploring the Adriatic coast today. Yeah, we're so excited to be together because we haven't recorded in a month. They've been gone on this trip and we've been doing our own thing. And so we're so excited to hear about this trip. Yeah, I'm excited to get back into the groove of things. And in this episode, we're going to be taking you with us from Albania to Montenegro, Croatia, before ending our travels in Slovenia, and hopefully giving you guys inside tips and obviously discussing our day-to-day of our trip. Yes, and this is the first time that Kim and I are hearing about this trip. I personally picked up Jamal and Brittany from the airport, and they wouldn't tell me anything because we wanted it all to be captured on the podcast so you can hear our authentic reactions to the craziness of their trip. So this trip was a guided tour, and we chose it because it had the most bang for your buck. There is no advanced railway system in this part of the Adriatic coast or in Europe. You know, it's very easy to get from France to Italy and to other countries, but to get to Croatia, to Albania, it's much more difficult. So that was one of the reasons why we picked a guided tour. The tour also included our flights, transportation, entrance fees into activities or national parks, our hotels, and some meals. So you guys just got back from this trip. It was about 10 days, right? It was technically a 12-day trip, but two of those days are traveling. traveling. And so realistically, 10 of activities, but we extended a day to do Venice on our own because Venice wasn't part of the guided tour. We were actually ending in Slovenia. However, the largest international airport close to that area where they have kind of like direct flights back to the States was Venice. So Brittany and I said, well, if we're going to be in Venice, why are we not just going to spend a day there ourselves? So we opted to do that. Might as well. So for the whole 12 days, what are the must-know tips for this kind of a trip? Okay, so the biggest one is we went to several different countries. We hit five altogether. And so it's really good to know that a lot of these countries use different currencies. So be mindful of the logistics before you book a trip like this. For example, Albania used the LEC. And once you exchange money to LEC, you cannot exchange it back to US dollars or euros. They will not exchange money back. So once you have it in LEC, you can only then spend it. Well, what about like once you come back to the United States? No, no. It's just no one wants that currency. No one wants that currency. 
Oh, wow. It's not powerful enough for them to want to give it back to well, dollars or euros or anything like that. So you have to be very mindful of how much you either pull from the ATM or how much you exchange in person because they will not take it back. Well, the first thing I thought was, is Albania in debt if they don't want to give the money back? No, it's just, you know, they're their own currency and the major currencies and Europe is obviously like the euro and they're a small country in comparison to other countries in Europe that don't use the euro, such as England using the pound or some of the Scandinavian countries that use their own currency and not the euro. So since they have a little bit more power and prestige, you know, their currency is easier to change. But Albania, you know, (laughs) that's an interesting one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then Croatia uses the Kuna and supposedly they're supposed to change the euro soon. But we didn't go directly from Albania to Croatia, we went to Montenegro first, which uses the euro. So we were switching back and forth between currencies. Montenegro, Slovenia, and Italy all use the euro. So it's kind of, it was kind of a back and forth between all of the currencies that we were using the entire time that we were there. Well, will Croatia accept euros? No. Mm, gotcha. Overall, no. One of the places we were at listed pl- prices in euros, but for the most part in just a lot of general transactions, no, they're not accepting it. But they are part of the European Union, so they are are going to be switching to the euro soon they just haven't yet so they still mm. have their own currency but to answer a question came of one of the must knows so the last time Brittany and i were in europe was in september of 2017 obviously minus this trip right here and one thing that we always do when we go to other countries and need foreign currency is i don't exchange it here and then take it with me I pull money from the ATM because Mm -hmm. the ATM gives you an even exchange rate. Yes, you have ATM fees, but I usually get my bank to reverse them. So it costs me usually nothing in terms of trading money in. You said something really interesting right there. Your bank usually reverses them. He asks for it. So take us through your process for getting this travel fee removed from your account. I'm in my bank quite often, so I don't want to toot my own horn, but I am a friendly person. (laughs) I strike a conversation with anybody. So even like the tellers who I'm going to be seeing on a regular basis, I like to have a friendly relation with them. So just when I go in, I'm obviously always asking how they're doing. It's not just like a general transaction. So I actually strike general conversations with them all the time. So when I come back from a trip, I usually ask them, hey, I have an ATM fee. It was from out of country. Is there any way that we can potentially get a courtesy reversal of the fee? And they'll say, oh, well, let me see what I could do and they'll put in a request and 95% of the time it's always been reversed for me. Nice. You just got to ask. But before you got onto that though, what I was going to say, yes, I usually pull money from the ATMs. Mm -hmm. So the last time we were there, they didn't have these Euronet ATMs now. These are like private ATMs, not from banks. And so when we were in the airport in Rome Rome, before we went to Albania, that my plan was, okay, I'm going to pull out euros from here and then just exchange the euros to the local currency as opposed to having multiple ATM withdrawals in Albania, Croatia, since they have their own currency, whereas Mm -hmm. everywhere else we were going was going to be using the euro. And I put in my card into a Euronet one, didn't think anything of it. I thought it was just an normal ATM. And then they were going to charge me a 12% surcharge fee and they're private, you know, ATM. So they're not banks. You can't talk to anybody to potentially get that reverse. So one thing I want to say to anybody now going to Europe is do not use a Euronet ATM beyond normal fees. They charge you a surcharge of 12% to use the ATM. Out of the five countries that you went to, which would you say that you got the best exchange rate or like, like your money went the farthest? Like, I can't believe how cheap this country is. I would say Albania. 
Yeah, Albania was definitely very cheap. And because it's the farthest south on the Adriatic coast, they were saying the farther north that you get, closer you get to Italy, the more European prices you'll see. Oh, gotcha. That goes a long way. Uh, yeah, and they have their, you know, random currency and whatnot. Obviously, you know, we were in a touristy, like, hotel in the center of downtown. So, I mean, a little bit of markup because of that. But just in general, I would say definitely Albania was the cheapest country where your money's going to go a long way. And Montenegro. Hmm. I would say Montenegro just as well. Mm-hmm. So another tip was water was safe to drink from every tap except for Albania. You couldn't drink the water in Albania. You had to go out and purchase water bottles. But everywhere else, it was safe to drink the water. And it was okay. Even was it in Albania that you could brush your teeth with the water? Yes. You can okay. brush your teeth, shower, but you could not just physically drink the water. So when you're going to the supermarkets to buy water in Albania, did you buy the Mas Grande? <laughs> <laughs> no, we did not. Yeah. Well, we weren't there that long. So we just bought one liter size bottles for each of us. And obviously on the tour, they give us bottled waters each day as part of the tour, like when you're on it doing activities. So we have that. But, you know, when we're in our hotel room and, or anything like that, obviously we have the bottles. And if you're wondering what the Mas Grande was, it's episode one in Mexico City. Go back and listen to it. It's a good one. (laughs) What else do we need to know about this? So I was expecting, okay, we're on the Adriatic coast for the entire time. I mean, how different, and all of these are small countries, how different could the weather be in all of them? And I did look up the weather and it seemed to be pretty hot in every single place, but different weather, different terrain, be sure to pack for different climates because the weather in Albania was very, very hot. And in Slovenia, it was cold. It was yeah, much you, colder. Your guys' outfits were on point in your pictures. Thank you. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, Jamal and your t-shirts. <laughs> well, no, not the t-shirts t-shirts my button-ups there you yeah go. you wear a button-up every day and then your little cold weather clothes you guys are looking so cute and so <laughs> what we didn't expect was mosquitoes mm. so we did not pack mosquito repellent and so we got torn up that Ooh. happens to me on every trip i take because in san diego we don't have mosquitoes right and so, you forget well, how brutal they are you forget and not only that I mean, even in Woodland, you know, our hometown, obviously, yes, they're there, but I still don't even remember them being as prevalent any time of the year as it was when we were in Europe. I I was like shocked by it. (laughs) Like We were waking up each day with bites all over the place. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I remember even like being in Zimbabwe and they had the mosquito nets. So when you go to bed, you don't get bitten by the mosquitoes, but I didn't even see any mosquitoes. Right. Wow. So, uh... They're along the Adriatic coast, let me tell you that. <laughs> That's further It's at. confirmed. <laughs> yeah, so definitely bring some bug repellent. I mean, if you think in going to Europe and you think like, oh, I, I'm not going to need mosquitoes repellent or there's not going to be any, you'd be very wrong like we were. Question for you guys. What's their coffee like? Interestingly enough, there's a lot of Italian influence on that side because the Adriatic coast, just so people are aware, is actually part of the Mediterranean Sea. It's just a little inlet of the Mediterranean. So if you just imagine the bootleg of Italy coming down, you would be looking at Eastern Italy all the way, obviously, to Albania, Montenegro, Croatia, which are on the coast. So it's just a small little inlet up of the Mediterranean. And since it's so close to Italy, if you actually get coffee from a machine, it's either going to be an espresso, cappuccino, latte. Those are delicious. But if you're just looking for black coffee or just regular coffee with cream, they use like the Nescafe powdered stuff, which really took me aback. Wow. Yeah. In almost every single country we went to. Out powdered of like the coffee. Like yes. if you would think just like brewed coffee, that's not happening. You have to get it like as an espresso or cappuccino if you want like real coffee. Do they have Starbucks? 
did we didn't come across, come across one, one really? Starbucks in our entire trip. How about like any kind of American influence stuff like McDonald's or? Yes, we did see a McDonald's. Did but you very, go to it? No. <laughs> very far and few between on the fast food chains that are here in America. I feel like we only hmm. saw two McDonald's. One Burger King. Yeah, one Burger King. And one of the two McDonald's was in Venice and the Burger King was in Venice. And that's another reason why we were excited about this trip is we knew that this area of Europe isn't as westernized as Western Europe, if you will. So it's kind of a little bit more authentic in their culture and everything like that without a lot of kind of Western influence. Cool. Well, before we get into the trip, anything else that we must know? Yes, there is one last thing. When you are traveling in general, you should bring some packed toilet paper because we went through so many gas stations that were out of toilet paper. I even came across a squatty potty, which two. I was not wow. expecting. Two squatty potties. Yeah, two. Did it was you use same, one? Yeah, it was in the same country, but I wasn't. It what took country? me off. It was Montenegro. Mm-hmm. It really took me off guard and I was not prepared. And so I wish I had known that one, we would come across a squatty potty and two, <laughs> that I would also need my own toilet paper in that and also in some of the gas stations we came across. But did you like grab a shitload of toilet paper from your hotel and like make your own little travel TP bag after that? After that, yes. (laughs) You know, we can't get through one episode without talking about the bathroom, so... They're vitally important to your vacation. (laughs) So important. (laughs) Well, let's let's get into the vacation. I want to hear about it. Yeah. So, I mean, day one, obviously, we did some traveling with our guided tour the flight package was san diego to atlanta atlanta to rome rome to albania so when by the time we landed in albania we lost a day and then it was mid-afternoon at that point so the first day we just got picked up with pretty much everybody who was on our tour and they took us to the hotel gave us a little bit of downtime before we had our orientation meeting, kind of where we meet everybody who's part of the tour, meet Mm -hmm. our tour guide. And then we had our group dinner at the hotel. That dinner was included that night and it was actually really, really delicious. They cooked us a nice veal chop. That was pretty good. Veal. Mm. It was really good. There was also a vegetarian option. (laughs) Veal's delicious. And so we had probably spent about 24 hours traveling. So we really were exhausted when we got to Albania. So that was just a pretty much a mellow day. But day two, we started the day with a city tour of Albania. And I actually, I'm not like a history person because I feel like it's a lot of memorization, but I did learn (laughs) a lot about the Albanian history. And we started our day at a place called Skanderberg Square, which is kind of in the middle of Tirana, which is the capital capital of Albania. And Albania is actually a Muslim country. Did you guys know that? I did not. I don't know if I knew it, but I also don't feel like I'm surprised when you say that. It's a Muslim majority country. Yeah. Yeah. And so this country was under communism for a long time. And so because of that, they built atomic bunkers all around the city. So they've actually turned an atomic bunker into a museum, but you can still see them throughout the city. So they were afraid of atomic bombs and they built bunkers? Well, it wasn't even really for the citizens. It was the communist leaders. They were afraid of kind of some sort of retaliatory attack, you know, just because they were communists. They aligned with Russia, potentially coming Mm -hmm. from the United States or other European non-communist countries. So the leaders themselves would build bunkers and they would only fit like five to ten people. But there is a 
ton of them all around the main downtown area. And even as we were driving kind of in the outskirts and the villages, you can actually see little domes where they built them to as That's the actual really cool. bunkers. Yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. But by the time it goes off, it's too late to go take shelter. Well, if you know it's coming. Yeah. When, <laughs> when one bomb hits, other bombs could come right after. That's crazy. Yeah. And you got to think like when they built these two, like the amount of power in the bombs aren't as what they are now. You know what I mean? So the type yeah. of fallout, not that it wasn't severe, but it's not like it is now. But nonetheless, they were built just like people here in the States built little bunkers under their homes. The communist leaders mm -hmm. built themselves. So even in the middle of downtown, you can see, and like Brittany said, they had a museum. So you could go into an entrance and kind of walk underground and it had its own separate exit. It was really, Did really Did you guys neat. go in? We went into the entrance. We didn't go through the entire museum, but the entrance is separate from the exit so there's two ways to enter the bunker if needed mm -hmm. so in that square around that area we could see the atomic bunker we also saw a mosque and then there was also a natural history museum there as well oh, it was a national history museum not natural history oh i'm museum. sorry yeah national history. so it was albania's history museum like in the big big square that they have and i found it to be really interesting before their communist times they only had one monarch he was elected president or prime minister and declared himself king so they have a little section in there <laughs> where they talk about the monarchy of albania <laughs> which i found to be quite interesting if you will but it was yeah <laughs> just i'm gonna be king but you know that place that Brittany said we went which was skanderberg square it's named after like their national hero obviously we're talking well before the 1900s he was a general of sorts but i mean we're talking you know several hundred years back right but the square that it's named after it wasn't used to be called that i forgot what they said it was called but instead of a statue of skanderberg they had a big statue of joseph stalin <laughs> you know because it was communist <laughs> so they've since torn that down after the fall of communism interestingly enough they have that statue in the back of a building so if you saw any of our instagram photos that we posted Brittany posted one of her standing next to the torn down statue of stalin just having it in the back. Interesting. How was the food in Albania? <laughs> I have no idea what Albania food is like. I felt like there was like goulashes mm -hmm. and a lot of like stews. Didn't I forgot what it was called, but again, a lot of Italian influence in that region. So believe it or not, there was even pasta? a lot of like pizza, pasta, mm -hmm. but kind of more ethnic local cuisine. The day of our city tour, dinner was not included. So we did dinner on our own. We ate at our hotel because we saw their menu and it looked quite delicious, but we got <laughs> something that was specifically an Albanian dish. I forgot what it was called, but it was a lamb dish that had rice cooked kind of like in a yogurt, yogurt sauce. sauce. Mm. It was actually really, really delicious. But like she said, I, I wouldn't equate kind of like a yogurt sauce meal to be like a stew, but a lot of it's like kind of stews, goulashes, things like that is what you could say is more ethnic cuisine for them. Interesting. Also, walking back to our hotel, there was a park. And in the park, there was a piece of the Berlin Wall that was gifted to the Albanians after they came out of communism. And after, Very cool. After the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, yeah, it's standing oh. in front of another bunker. <laughs> so they, they, have, they have like a city park that was in front of our hotel. And then they have like a little piece of the Berlin Wall. And then that's standing in front of another nuclear bunker for one of the communist leader high ups. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I got to hear about the massages because yes. Brittany texted me several times while you guys were on this trip 
talking about all these massages that she's getting. So I've got to hear it. Was it? Well, this time without interrupting though, Kim, that's where it ties back to what Zaina was saying was where does your money go the furthest? It actually went the furthest in Albania. So the massages were very, very cheap. So Brittany and I both partook in a massage out there. Tell me this. Was it better or worse than the Peru massage? It was better than the Peru massage. (laughs) It was a 60-minute Swedish massage, and we actually got it at the same price for a couple. We were expecting to be separated, and we weren't. It was like a couple's massage. We were in the same room. They gave us detox water to start. Mm. Then they gave the 60-minute massage, and then afterwards, they told us to get dressed in robes, and they gave us a tea to enjoy at the very end. It was a legit spa within our hotel. And it was only $45. Per person. Wow. That is a steal. It is. So we pulled out a little too much Lex, so we were sure to pay for our massages with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we found out that we didn't really need that much Lex because most of our meals were going to be included with the tour, we were like, oh crap, what are we going to do with this? Well, I guess we're going to use this to pay for the massages. Wonderful. Everything works out for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And so after the massages, we had dinner at the hotel. Like Jamal said, we had some authentic Albanian cuisine. And then we went out for dessert. I had been looking for a dessert place and I had found one online. And our server that night, she said, do you want dessert here? And we said, no, we're actually going out to dessert. And she said, I actually hope you guys go to D'Angelo because it's the best place. And that was the place that had been pulled up. So Mm -hmm. we did go there. And what did you get? Chocolate covered waffle. Mm. Chocolate waffle. Yes. <laughs> it was delicious. It I remember was really delicious. When I was in Belgium, I ate a shitload of chocolate covered waffles, and they were so good. They even made cookie chocolate covered waffles. I believe it. Yeah. Sounds amazing. We paid like a dollar fifty for a chocolate covered waffle, like a full size waffle too. It was really good. Amazing. Yeah, and it had ice cream on top. Mm-hmm. Hey squatties, we want to share one of our favorite travel products with you. Liquid IV is a category winning hydration brand, fueling your well being while traveling. One stick fits into 16 ounces of water to give you three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and hydrates you two times faster than water alone. Their half-ounce hydration multiplier powder packet is the one product you need in every suitcase, carry-on, and day pack. We use it while flying on planes because flights can be so dehydrating. We use it when we feel jet-lagged, when we're out on a hike, and after a long night out that has us feeling worn out. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Liquid IV also now comes in 12 delicious and refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Our favorites are the lemon-lime and tangerine with immune support. It's made with premium ingredients, all non-GMO and gluten, dairy, and soy-free. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use Travel Squad Podcast at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code travel squad podcast at liquidiv.com. Hey squaddies, let's take a quick detour to talk about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We just launched several new international trip itineraries, including Tulum and Japan. This is on top of the itineraries we already have for U.S. trips like the Hawaiian Island of Kauai, the U.S. Virgin Islands, as well as national park trip itineraries including Utah's Mighty Five National Parks and a week at Grand Teton and Yellowstone. These fully built out 20 to 30 page PDF guides are available for instant download on our site right now. Every detail of the trip is laid out for you. So all you have to do is download, book, show up, and have fun. 
The itineraries tell you where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, driving distance between attractions, the things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, their mileage, and the time to allot for each one. And believe it or not, so much more. Be sure to head over to TravelSquadPodcast.com to download your very own comprehensive travel itinerary today. But other than that, we really didn't do too much in Albania except for see Tirana again, which is the capital. So after that day, the next day we woke up and we were going to be going on to Montenegro. Question before we get too far into this. Yes. I know that Gate One usually provides a breakfast buffet Mm -hmm. at every hotel that they put you up at. How was Albania's breakfast buffet? The best one. Really? I would say second best. I would say second best. I would give Dubrovnik number one. Okay. I mean, debatable, but, but, but I did think that the breakfast buffet was really good in Albania. I did, would say and they had Musili, right? Me. Yes. Mm. What else did they have? They walk had, us through the buffet oh my spread, God. please. Okay. So I got you videos. Walk, you walk in and there's like a toaster and a bread basket. Then mm-hmm. you go down the line and then there's cold meats and cheeses. Then you can even get a cold salad if you want. If you go to the other side, it's all of your hot stuff. So your bacon, your sausages, your eggs, your pancakes, your potatoes. They had an omelet station. They had an omelet station. Sounds very American. Yes. This is where I learned that the coffee was shit because the first day (laughs) I ordered just a regular coffee and when it came, I drank it. I was like, man, this isn't even that good. It tastes like powdered mix. And Britain's like, no, it definitely is. And then the table next to us, we saw them get really nice, real craft lattes and cappuccinos. So then I asked her server, I was like, what's that? He's like, oh, it's the latte. So we knew the next day to get that. And since then, we knew like, okay, this is how you have to branch out at all the other places was to get latte or a cappuccino or an espresso. Good to know. Makes me want a coffee so bad. <laughs> and then to round out the breakfast buffet, there was a whole fruit station as well. They had whole fruits, they had cut fruits, they had yogurt, they had like jams to put on top, honeys. So it was a whole full. Sounds really good. Interestingly enough, like Brittany said, it was her number one. It was my number two, but Albania's breakfast buffet at the hotel really surprised. As a matter of fact, honestly, the hotel we were at in Albania might have been even the best. It was really nice. This makes me want to go on a gate one tour just to go to a buffet spread. (laughs) I love gate one. They were good there. I mean, we'll talk later on which one I think was just kind of eh. I didn't hate it. It just compared to other gate ones, it wasn't special. Let's put it that way. But like I said, you know, minus the breakfast buffet and everything (laughs) else in Albania, we didn't do too much other than in Tirana. So then we headed on out to Montenegro. But before we went to Montenegro, we had one last stop in Albania, which was kind of right on the border where they gave us a little stop to have lunch, where Brittany and I actually had our first pizza along the way. How was it? It was okay. It was okay. Just there, okay? There was nothing Just special okay. about it. But it only cost $5 for a big pizza pie. So for I an mean, entire, can't really complain. For both of us, it cost $5 for lunch. Are we talking like Costco size? A little smaller than that. A little smaller. A little smaller. Still, that's really good. Yeah, for $5. So like I said, money goes a long way in Albania. One other interesting fact is, did you guys know Mother Teresa is from Albania? Oh, no shit. Yes. There were statues of Mother Teresa all over the country. And in Shkodra. Shkodra? Shkodra. Shkodra. That was the the last city in Albania, like right at the border. That was one too. So in Shkodra, there was a statue of her standing kind of like in the middle square. 
that you can go up and take your picture with her if you wanted. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, we really didn't do much there. Like I said, it was a stop really for lunch. They had a couple like streets that had bazaars on them, if you will, with kind of shopping and whatnot. So just kind of more a little break. Nothing that we really did. No tour was included while we were there. Again, just a stop. But then we crossed the border into Montenegro and we're traveling by bus on the tour. So this was actually the longest border crossing that we had to wait at. We got lucky with the other ones, but this one took quite a while. And to cross we were it. almost there for two hours, I think, crossing the border. How many people were on the tour? 37. Okay, so that's not too bad, but yeah, okay. But it wasn't even like it took so long once we got off the bus or looking at passports or anything. Just the line, it took a really, really long time because Albania is not part of the European Union. Montenegro is not even part of the European Union. So they have like no agreement. So you have to go through like customs and border checking and things like that when you go through. Yeah. So like basically you walk over the border and the bus drives through and then he picks you up on the other side. It's not like that at all. We Not like we did in Africa. No. Not like we did in Africa. So they would collect all of our passports. And then I think at the first one, they said we were okay. Yeah, so wait, because what do you mean? Like they're getting on, on the bus? bus? Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because okay. Al- Albania's people, since we're leaving Albania, they need to mark us as leaving. So their customs guy came onto the bus, grabbed our passports, took it for a long time, did whatever they needed to do, gave it back. But that's just Albania. Then we have to give it to Montenegro. Montenegro. As well. So then they got to scan it through. And our tour guide was telling us it just really depends on who you catch and what day. Sometimes they want you to come out. Sometimes they'll just take your passports and be fine. If they see that the majority of people are Americans, it's okay. But if they see <laughs> that it's a, like a European tour, they're more inclined to have you get off. But it just really depends on the day. So, and I'm so sorry for asking so many questions. It's just fascinating. No, yeah. Like when the guy comes on to the bus and takes your passports, is your bus? in line to cross or at this point yes. do you guys like have to park to the side no, no we're, we're in line, line. To cross. and okay. that's what takes so long is because there's a lot of different tour guides that are going through so they're doing this for every single bus Mm. So if there's a bus in front of us or a bus <laughs> behind us, this is what's causing all of this traffic. And like I said, I mean, our experience could be completely different from somebody else doing it. It just depends on the day and who you get. Fascinating. So we made our way to Montenegro and we actually were going to a mountainous resort town called Colossen, which was actually really, really nice. It was high up in the mountains, really clean air, beautiful. But along the way, both Brittany and I were pleasantly surprised with how beautiful Montenegro was. Like, I wasn't expecting it. So green. What kind of, oh, green? Yeah, green. so green. A and lot of mountain gorges. Oh, my God. Yeah. A lot of trees. A lot of trees. Mm-hmm. After being in Tirana, and it was so, so hot in Tirana, when we got to Montenegro, the weather changed a little bit, and the scenery was just undeniably beautiful. Mm. It was so nice. Yeah, really mountainous and kind of a lot of, like, mountain gorges. So the road that we were driving to get to the town of Colossan, where we were going, it follows a cliff gorge, and so you can just kind of see over. Really beautiful. But before we got to the mountain resort town that we were going to be sleeping at, they stopped us at the Morocco monastery which is actually the largest medieval orthodox monument that's still in montenegro and it's been an active monastery since the year 1252 wow i mean it's like 800 did it look medieval when you went inside of the little church or chapel that they had there it definitely did but in terms of the actual building of the monastery itself not so much it's a small little one because it's in a remote mountainous town it's not like it was in a big city so it's relatively small but when you went into the 
chapel, you could see the paintings, and the paintings definitely mm-hmm. look medieval. That's cool. And mm. this is where I came across my first Squatty Potty experience. <laughs> <laughs> Take us through. Where were you? How were you feeling? So we were at the monastery, and Montenegro, it fooled me, right? Because we're there. It's a beautiful tourist destination. And our bus parks, and you have to walk down this long road leading up to this monastery, and it's beautiful. You can see the monastery in the background, and behind the monastery are all of the mountains. So it's just a perfect backdrop. So I'm like, all right, I got to pee before we head on to the hotel. So I go to use the bathroom, and I walk in, and there is a ton of mosquitoes, number one, inside the bathroom Ooh. and two i have to squat and there's no toilet paper oh so three strikes i was like oh man <laughs> this is rough in okay. all fairness this place was built in 1252 huh <laughs> <laughs> I, you know i can handle the squat but like no toilet paper and mosquitoes just swarming all around you Oof. i was like okay okay how much do i really like montenegro just kidding I like my <laughs> but i just wasn't expecting it so we left the monastery and i kind of forgot about the squatty potty we end up going to colossin which is where we stayed for the night which this hotel most gate one tours do get really nice hotels and the hotel was beautiful it was gorgeous i think i posted the hotel on my instagram but they didn't have ac because it's located in the mountains and it's not supposed to get hot but it was hot the day you were there it was hot and so it always happens it was it was warmer but they have windows that can open Open. obviously and they give you a fan inside but our windows didn't open enough to get like a really big breeze so you step outside it's beautiful it wasn't like hot but just because it's a building and it's going to warm up it definitely got warm for sure well do you have screen on the windows no mosquitoes were coming in so i don't remember getting bit this day but one of our tour mates they had the windows open and he said he got torn up that night just keep that in mind mosquitoes are in montenegro but like Brittany (laughs) said too this hotel was really nice like i said it's in a mountainous resort town so the hotel itself was really nice it had a really rustic mountainous feel to it but in a good way when i say rustic on top of that it was also like a little mini spa it's the largest indoor pool I've ever seen of any hotel I've stayed at. Seriously, wow. like Olympic size. Did you swim in size. it? Yeah, we I, did. Yeah, I went into the hot tub also, but Brittany got a massage. We were both going to get massages there because, again, they also had a spa. So we we're like, okay, they're cheap. Let's do some more massages. So we go down to schedule it, and then they tell us, oh, and we were hoping to do it kind of at the same time because we were on a time constraint because it was for the next day after we got back from tour. Then they have the dinner. We're supposed to wake up early. So they said, oh, well, we can do one at this time and then the other at the next time we're like well we can't do it at the same time there's not two openings they're like oh there's only one masseuse so i tell Brittany, i'm like all right well you can have the massage because Brittany just loves massages and they had a turkish bath like steam room as well as a sauna so i decided all right well where are you getting the massage i will actually do those so i did that okay i have a couple questions here (laughs) how much was the massage So I just got a 30 minute back, neck and shoulder massage and we were in Montenegro. So we went up the coast a little bit. So for that, I believe it was 35 euros. Montenegro's on the Euro, even though they're not part of the European Union. Okay. And then what's a Turkish bath? I've heard it. I don't know exactly. Equate it to kind of like a steam room, but beyond it just being... Big steam room? It was large. It was quite large. And on top of that, it was really interesting. I've been in a couple (laughs) and both of them have done the same thing. So I don't know if it's just like an 
an aesthetic look or if it just really needs to have it. But the roof is lit up and they have like a fluorescent kind of like moon and lights with stars that were in there. It was really, really interesting. But if okay. you equate it to a sauna where it's hot, but it's dry, a steam room, it's hot, but obviously there's steam. So it's like humid and wet in there. Okay. And are there a bunch of naked men walking around? There was not, but funny that you should mention that because we <laughs> forgot to mention when we were in Albania, I want to circle back around to this. They also had a sauna that we went into and Together, it was like a unisex. Right. Yeah. And then there was a dude just... It was a unisex sauna. Rocking it naked in there. And so when we, we went to <laughs> tour... We went to tour the hotel. And so we were checking out the sauna. And there was like a picture of like a man and woman wearing a bathing suit. So Jamal and I go downstairs in our bathing suits. Well, the sign even said you must have bathing suit or towel on. It did say that. It did. Yeah, it did say that. So after our massage, we're like, okay, we're all relaxed. Let's go <laughs> get in the sauna together. And we had worn our bathing suits down to the massage area with other clothes on top, of course. And we get into the sauna room and there's a nude man european man with his dick hanging out and i was like <laughs> i opened up the door and i was like oh i'm so sorry he didn't really flinch and he all, like didn't care. even care wow. and then he gets back into the sauna and jamal and i get back into the sauna and he is just chilling nude in there he, not only was it big average not big. no it wasn't <laughs> was it placid <laughs> Oh, his uh, yeah. dick? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it was flaccid. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just had a raging boner in his heart. <laughs> he saw Jamal and he just got erect. Oh yeah. my God, weird things happening. But in no, he, he, he was just chilling. He was just laying back, like not. And even his sitting. hands were up. Yeah, yeah behind his head. head. Oh my God. So did you like feel inspired, Jamal, and rip your fucking shorts off? Absolutely not. <laughs> That's what I, Brittany did text me about this, and I said, Well, did you get naked? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get naked. So what was really nice is in Albania, we did get to work out. But in other countries, the gyms didn't open early enough for us to take advantage of them. So Jamal and I kind of would say, let's go on an early morning walk around the cities. And so in Colossan, we did get to go on early morning walks. It was nice and cold, like a good brisk morning walk in the cold. Nice. It was really, really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So day four, it was a really, really beautiful day. We had a local guide in Montenegro and we went to two national parks. The first one was called Biogradska National Park, and it's one of the last virgin forests in Europe and home to glacial lakes meaning glaciers have melted and have formed lakes. Oh, wow. It was a really pretty lake. They even had like a dock, some rowboats that were out there. Really, really picturesque. But we didn't spend too much time there because we were going to another national yeah, park Yeah, how long did Gate 1 allow you guys to oh, stay there? they gave us 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Oh, that's not long. I just gathered that it was long enough to get the Instagram-worthy pictures that you posted. Yes, pretty much. A lot and of good pictures. We mm -hmm. were the youngest people on our tour by far, so every time we got on a stop, we would book it we would just like oh book God. it off the bus and be like all right we're gonna take our pictures and then like by the time like everyone else got off the bus they were starting to line up see but that spot that we were at like you said there's lots of glacial lakes but they only took us to one in particular which was their largest but even though it's the largest it's not very big we could have walked around it in 15 minutes but we mm. had to like use the restroom they had like a gift shop you know Brittany and i like to find ornaments so we were looking to see okay can we find an ornament here and so did you find one we did not not mm. there unfortunately but we could have walked around so they did allow enough time if someone wanted to do that you definitely could have but this is another spot where we came across a squatty potty in their national parks they had squatty potties <laughs> no toilet paper 
But I guess this is something that we should have mentioned in the tip section at the beginning just as well is obviously I know every one of us here has been to Europe, but for any of our other listeners, public restrooms in Europe, they charge money for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this one was a free one and in their national park squatty. But if you didn't want to do that, they had a cafe. The cafe was quite nice. You know, you could get coffee or do something at the park, but you could only use their bathroom if you actually purchase something. Mm-hmm. So if you get like a coffee, one amongst a couple people, you know, you can go use the restrooms there. And those restrooms were not squatty potties. They were legitimate real toilets that were accustomed to, had toilet paper just as well. But yes, in the national parks in Montenegro, squatty potties. And then our next stop was to actually see a bridge called the Tara Bridge. And it's a famous bridge in Montenegro and it crosses is over the Tara River and the river has carved into the rock to make a really large gorge. They actually call it the Grand Canyon of Europe. It's so deep. It's the second deepest canyon. They with- call it the Grand Canyon of Europe. Yes. Yeah. They do. It's not wow. it's not as wide across, but it is equally it as is deep. deep. That mm-hmm. river has carved like the deepest gorge in Europe. Oh, I just pulled up a picture of the Tara Bridge and it is it's very beautiful. It's a beautiful. It reminds me of the Big Sur Bridge. Yeah. I, I was even, just thinking that, yeah. I even told that to Brittany when the, we were there. I said it's kind of like Bigsby Bridge off of uh, California Highway 1. So it was really nice. That bridge actually has a really interesting history without going too much into it. You know, during World War II, they were trying to fight off, I believe they said it was an Italian advance of Montenegro. And so they got in touch with the engineer who designed it and they said this is the only way that they can advance on us where can we blow just a portion of the bridge to not destroy the whole thing but just so that they can't advance their tanks or anything like that so he told them they blew it up eventually the italians came captured the engineer and they executed him on the bridge oh wow kind of like a sad story but i found it to be very very interesting obviously since then they've reconnected the bridge but i thought that was a really unique thing there was a lot of savage stories from my trip to europe this year too yeah Yeah. a lot of crazy shit happened and and that's one thing i want (laughs) to say that i loved circling back around about guided tours you know when you go places on your own you see things and they're really pretty and beautiful but on these guided tours your tour guides are so knowledgeable they give you the in-depth history that makes it that much more intriguing Mm -hmm. and exciting to be like wow i'm actually here this is really cool it's their job to know all about it and share it with you because you learn a lot i just want to say one thing last about that bridge they do have zip lining over the gorge to the other side did you you do it no we didn't do it she wore a dress that day Mm. yeah i did wear a dress that day and so i wasn't prepared for it but then we saw the people zip lining and it wasn't like our experience zana in honduras where you have to stop the zip line itself this one you just literally sit on and you go across and they catch you on the other side. It was almost so like a was, zip line hammock. Yeah, it was like a hammock, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we, we didn't know that. And by the time Kick we figured back. that out, seeing people go across, we knew if we started to wait in line, it would take too long from the time frame they told us that we're going to be ready to leave by because we still were going to Dumator National Park, which was another one of Montenegro's national parks, which was really, really pretty. And it's also a UNESCO World Heritage Site. This mm. park has 18 glacial lakes, and we went to a lake called Black Lake, which is the largest and best known lake in the park. Wow. And the lake got its name because of all of the alpine trees surrounding it. 
have created a reflection in the water to make the water appear black. And that's why the name of the lake is Black Lake. Hmm. Hence the name Montenegro, too, if you think about it. Black Mountains, Montenegro. Oh, wow. So they were saying that that's one of the history of how it got its name is I think they said when the Venetians, if not the Venetians, someone else from areas of Europe were coming and they said, wow, the trees are so green, they almost look like black from a Mm -hmm. distance. So the Black Lake, how the trees were reflecting on it for the color. So even though it's a glacial lake and they're usually clear, it looks dark because of the reflection. Very, very interesting. I know, right? So which one did you like better, the Biogradsko National Park or Dermator National Park? Dumator. Yeah. I would agree. It sounds nice, yeah. It was more more in the, I don't want to say it was more in the mountains, but you can actually see the mountain when you were there versus when you were at the first one. It was pretty enclosed and the trees were surrounding you so much that you couldn't see much more than just the trees surrounding you. Did you do any hiking at either one? We did not, but we did some grounding. Yeah. Yeah. We did. I was wondering about that earlier when you were talking about it. Not at, well not necessarily hugging but touching we took off our shoes put our feet in the water if not in the water just on the rocks and did some spiritual grounding yeah it was really really nice and at dormitor we asked the tour guide are we following the path do can we go off on our own because our tour group was 37 and walked slow as a group so she was like oh no it's just a straight path we're just gonna hit the lakes just like straight up front and then we're gonna be back at the bus at this time so jamal and i took off and we got to spend extra time at the lake did you guys meet anyone on this tour group that you connected with and became friends with like like it was in China? No, we did not. I mean, there was only one person probably younger than 50 other than Jamal and I and he was traveling with his mom and dad and he was an only child mm-hmm. but we made like friends and we got along with everybody no doubt but in terms of making like legitimate friends people our age like Kasha and Ryan yeah. like we did in China not necessarily so much but everybody on our tour got along so then the next day it was our last day exiting Montenegro before we entered Croatia so our last stop in Montenegro was in Podgorica which in in this spot, we only stopped to tour the last king of Montenegro's palace. He had a lot of children. He fathered like, I think 12. <laughs> wow. I, I forgot how many kids they said he had. It was definitely a lot though. And he married each of his children off to like people that were high up. Mm-hmm. And so he was Status. known. A higher up European royalty. Yeah. So he was known as the father-in-law of Europe because he had so many children and kept marrying them off to like royalty. One of his daughters was queen of Italy at one point. Oh, wow. and yeah. So even though, interestingly enough, how I said about the Albanians, the, how they had one king first and last, same thing with Montenegro <laughs> just as well. So where we went was actually the palace of the first and last king of Montenegro. But as small as his monarchy was, if you consider first and last, he married his children off well into other royalty of Europe. I was about to say the king of Montenegro did it right. Yeah. 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 You know who probably had more children than him, though? The king of Swaziland. Yeah. <laughs> how many did he have? Oh, my gosh. He had so many wives, so I don't know how many children he had. He had like 20-something wives, I think wow. they said it was. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, they all so, had kids. so that was one of the stops that we did. One of our last ones in Montenegro was seeing the palace of the king. But the coolest thing that we did on that day as we were driving to Croatia, because we were on our way to Dubrovnik, one of the last stops was in the Montenegrin city of Kotor, and it's along the Adriatic, a beautiful seaside bay town. And this was actually one of the first times I feel like we got to go in ancient 
ruins that they had there. It was a walled-off city that was really, really interesting and nice. And by walled-off city, we mean like from the base, from where the port is, all the way up into the mountains, the entire city is walled off. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at a picture right now. That's very cool. And so we didn't have enough time to hike up the wall. But let me tell you, if it had been a little bit cooler and we had more time, you know it would have been an easy day. You should have just <laughs> ran it. Well, we <laughs> didn't have like time. The- I'm teasing. Great wall. I mean, no, I know, but we stopped there for lunch and obviously we had time to kind of roam around. I think they gave us two, two and a half hours and we wanted to definitely eat because we hadn't eaten since breakfast. This was our designated stopping point. We still had a few hours longer to drive to get to Dubrovnik before dinner. So we definitely ate, but it was a really cool kind of medieval town and I found it to be really, really interesting. I wish we had time to hike. So Well, we did hike. Well, we did climb portions of the wall. So in the city, there were staircases where you can go up and explore around a little bit. So we did do that and do some lookouts, but we didn't climb all the way up Mm because you could climb to the top if you wanted to. Yeah. I really love these like medieval type of cities right on the water. Yes. Super old and right on the water. And this is another UNESCO World Heritage Site as well. We came across many of them on this trip, which I was really, really nice. I love always coming across UNESCO. And just for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, UNESCO stands for United Nations Educational Scientific Cultural Organization. And so basically they're sites that the UN and countries designate as having historical human importance Mm -hmm. and significance so this one is one of them just as well is really really interesting to see so if you guys go i would definitely recommend hiking the wall it's something i regret not being able to have time to do so definitely do it let us know how it is (laughs) and it definitely goes high up the mountain it's a steep mountain you know where you enter kind of in at bay level to the city is nothing in comparison to how high that mountain goes up and i think there was a church at the top wasn't there or something or was it a fort at the very top i think a fort at the top yeah but it goes high up the mountain that's cool And that was our last stop in Montenegro. So then we moved on and we drove to Croatia. Specifically, we went to Dubrovnik and we had heard a few recommendations on what to do in Dubrovnik. And so one thing we were recommended to do was go to the beach. Another was to go to a bar called Booza Bar. And so we actually asked a local, hey, what do you recommend? Sorry, we actually asked our driver because our driver was Croatian. Mm-hmm. And so we asked him, like, should we go to Booza Bar or what would you recommend? And he said, neither. Go to the cave bar. Ooh. Cave bar. And he's like, yeah, it's really close to the hotel, too. Oh. So we get into the hotel and we look it up on our map and it was walking distance. I knew I would love Croatia. That's Croatia the top was, of my Croatia was really, really nice. And you guys went, right? Yes. Oh, yes. And yes. it was probably no more than a 10 minute walk from our hotel. So we go down and... You can't even really tell that there is a cave bar. It's in a... Hidden in the cave. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a hotel and restaurant area. And then they have like a small sign for the cave bar. And you have to take all of these elevators down because you're up on a cliff. So you take an elevator all the way down. Seaside cliff. And you enter and you walk out and total cave inside. And they have like one area where there is a glass bottom Mm. inside the cave as well. And And you can see the water. you You can't see the water from inside the cave until you go to the cave entrance. But this was like a part where they 
they had carved out a section where they put glass over the flooring so you could see the natural flooring. Because when we say a cave, so, I mean, it's on a seaside cliff. They found this accidentally as they were doing construction of the hotel. So when they did, they said, well, let's just turn this into a bar. But when we say a cave, it's a real cave. There's stalagmites and stalactites in there. So that's where Brittany's saying they have the glass floor bottom where you can actually see that. So we went there, had a drink, but they also have an entrance that they made out to the water. Yeah, I'm looking at the pictures. It's so cool. Yeah, Yeah. and so we went there specifically for sunset. And one thing to know, and I didn't know this going in there, is you can bring your bathing suit and from the deck where the cave entrance is, they have a sectioned off area where you can go swimming. That's so cool. Years ago, I went to Dubrovnik and I missed this. I I had no idea it existed. I don't even know if it existed when I was there. They just found this, he said. He said it's like a year, year and a half old. Fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear a booze bar? Let's go back. There? Let's go back, guys. No, I mean this is so. This well, is like 2010. Booze bar where we heard a recommendation to go from somebody else again, who was a tourist, not a local. It's a bar within the city walls of Dubrovnik that overlooks into the ocean, but it's really expensive because it's super touristy. I mean, I think it's going to be like $15 for a drink in there, like super, super expensive, whereas Cave Cave Bar didn't have those type of prices. So that was like our first night in Croatia. We just went to Cave Bar, watched the sunset. It was really, really beautiful. But before we get on to the next day, were there any bets on a freakout? We always bet on freak out because it always happens well this mm, this one really wasn't one but <laughs> just i'm just we curious didn't was on there where any specific dates it so. wasn't one but still it's classified as one because you're going to talk about it right well Brittany's under the impression that it is one so that's really what it is well without further ado Let's what the fuck it. happened tell <laughs> us so this is our first morning in dubrovnik and we are at the breakfast buffet Take us through the spread. This one was my favorite. <laughs> okay, let's let's hear what made it better than I, Albania. I just think that there was more. Granted, we were at a larger hotel in a more touristy city, so they had more stations. But I would say the bacon was better. The potatoes were better. I would say the omelet station, in my opinion, was better. They did <laughs> have a lot of good fruit. I will say this Albania's coffee was a lot better than the Dubrovnik one that they had. We had to ask for decaf for Brittany several times. It took them a while. So in terms of service, but... Who, that's your fault for drinking decaf. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably like, what, the, what, what is this girl talking about? I know, they had to go make some in the back. Yeah, so, they did. <laughs> when you say better, what do you mean by better? Like they have more options or the flavor-wise it's better? I think a combination of both. And again, that's just my opinion. But they kind of had a lot of the same stuff. I mean, in Europe, breakfast is really common. And like deli meats and cheeses and bread. So they obviously yes. had that section. They had fruits. So cut melons, watermelon, cantaloupe, apples, bananas, you name it. They Fruit had it. grapes. One thing I really enjoyed about it is all their stuff over there is pretty much grown organically. So you could actually kind of taste the difference, but that's getting on another <laughs> subject altogether. But- so I feel like the breakfast was pretty much the same, except for the coffee was better in Albania. So for a more complete breakfast, I liked the Albanian breakfast buffet better, but that's just my personal opinion. They were very similar. As much as I love the breakfast buffet, this is what kind of caused the freak out to some sort of extent. We Uh. were sitting (laughs) down, eating, and using a fork. And let's not kid ourselves, I feel like we've all had an instance where we're using our fork and everything's not really on the fork, but you know, we're too lazy to kind of like readjust it (laughs) to make sure (laughs) that it doesn't fall off. It's just like dangling there. Uh, Dangling or you know, 
you try to stick it and what you try to stick didn't really stick but it's on almost as a spoon but not and just kind of too lazy to restick it and get it in there so anyway i'm putting the fork kind of in my mouth i would say maybe in an awkward position didn't realize how far <laughs> into my mouth it was it's like <laughs> took a bite and one of the prongs of the fork chipped my freaking tooth oh. i was so like i took a bite felt it chip started to freak out a little bit oh like wow, i don't even see i don't know where it's oh i chipped. feel it on my tongue okay is it one of your what front two yeah, start front, to freak out a little bit front bottom right here oh like, it's the bottom i was yeah. looking at the top Do you see it well you know what i chip my tooth on a sugar daddy the candy not a man when i first <laughs> moved to, <laughs> when i first moved to san diego and i remember when i was younger mom told me that she chipped her tooth on a sugar daddy and years later i did as well well anyway so but you chipped so I, it on a fork <laughs> i bit and chipped it and obviously i felt it was jagged it was sharp and the way i bit down on it i felt like okay clearly it's chipped but i thought i cracked more of my tooth and i thought like shit is this thing gonna like crumble on me throughout the day did the only the top part come off and so yeah i would say like i got really really pissed what no is, one wants what to chip their tooth like, on their Jamal? vacation huh what does that look like when you start to freak out what are some things that you say are you yelling no oh i yelling? know this one i know this one did you say Brittany, we're going home <laughs> yeah did you say you want to go <laughs> no, home i did not say i want to go home I did not say I want to go home. <laughs> okay. I, I only say that if we're close enough to home to be a real possibility. So what are some things that you said? <laughs> I don't even remember. Okay, I was about to say, does, so I'm this sure. is Jamal's version. Brittany, let's hear the truth. What happened? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Jamal. <laughs> so I see him sitting across from me, puts a fork in his mouth, bites down. He's like, oh my God, my tooth is just chipped. It's going to crumble on me on this vacation. What am I going to do? And then he's like, I'm just going to go back to the room right now. I don't even want to eat anything else. What if something else? just makes my tooth worse and he's having a meltdown <laughs> and he was going to see if there was any day because we bought travel insurance to see if he could get his tooth fixed but he didn't want to take any time off of our tour to go get it fixed have any of you chipped your tooth during a trip no not during a trip all no. right so until then Let's reserve judgment. <laughs> but I mean, like, I've chipped my tooth. Well, and it was I, really noticeable, too. Yeah, I know. But I mean, when you're on vacation. But anyway. Did you ever get it fixed? Oh, Not no. Yet. I can't tell. I still can't. Well, I, yeah. can, I can feel it. So after Jamal's freak out, we had our day in Dubrovnik. And again, we started with a walking tour of the city. And Dubrovnik is also another walled city. It was built over 800 years ago. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And people still live within the city. Additionally, our tour guide, for our city tour she grew up in the walled city during the war and so she remembers playing in the street she remembers what it was like to be walled in and having no access to water or access to anything wow you couldn't get through the wall no because they were like being invaded well it wasn't invaded all the countries that we went to minus albania were part of the former federation of yugoslavia and they've all broken up now in our separate countries so montenegro Croatia, Slovenia. We even drove through Bosnia at one point, even though we didn't go to Bosnia. That's part of it. So as they were breaking up, some of the now independent countries wanted to still be one. So they were shelling at one point Dubrovnik, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, which is also 
illegal to do <laughs> to ruin those things in acts of war so people were pissed They're like whoa you're not only bombing civilians on the inside you're bombing a unesco world heritage site to get people out yeah so she was talking about being there during the war like in the early 90s when they were doing that oh wow yeah yeah and so the wall goes up to 83 feet in height and so you can actually walk the walls of the city as well it's um, almost exactly a mile to walk the top of the walls yeah when i was looking online to see the the distance i think it's like around 6300 or something yeah yeah and this is just a small area off of the coast and so there was like an entrance where there was previously a moat and they had like a drawbridge to go over and then once you enter that that would be all blocked off but on the walls is where they would station for military and like for watch so it was previously an active wall and people lived inside of it and so now they use it for like restaurants but people do still live inside as well also they film a lot of Game of Thrones here in Dubrovnik. Yeah, I bet. Actually, as a matter of fact, one of the famous scenes, shame, shame, was filled here, like one of the steps that they have within the city. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. So we weren't able to hike the wall in KOTOR, but we were able to do it here in Dubrovnik. And we did the entire wall. We did a easy day, huh? Full circle. Actually, to an extent, it is easy because there's not a lot of elevation game, but it was hard for one reason. You had a chip tooth? <laughs> Two reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it was humid as shit, man. And there's no shade along the wall. There's absolutely no shade. You're 100% sun exposure. To get up to the walls, you have to climb all this stuff. And then along the wall, there are some steps involved. But the hardest part was just the no shade. But, you know, we say it's an easy day when we were buying our entrance to hike the walls. I saw that it included going up to the fort. And I was like... Because they have a separate fort on a little rock peninsula headed out to also filmed for Game of Thrones. FYI to anybody listening it's the Red Keep Game of Thrones. The, fort. the fort's the Red <laughs> Keep. So I was like, Jamal, look, we got to go hike to up to the fort because it's already included in our price and we don't want to waste our money. Because <laughs> to hike the walls, it was 200 kuna, which equated to about 30 US dollars. Per person? Per person. Not included with Gate Not One? Be- no. no. They included the tour of the city. You can get into the city for free, but if you want to go up and hike the walls or the fort, they charge you for that. How long did you have in Dubrovnik? We had the whole day. So oh, okay. our guided tour which was done by, again, a local who actually lives within the city walls, not just lives in Dubrovnik on the outside. She literally lives within the walls. That was only half a day, and we were spending the night there that night as well. So we had all the time in the world to do what we wanted to afterwards for the rest of the day. And our guide actually told us how to get back to the hotel by taking the local bus if we didn't want to go back with the tour. So that's what we did. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because where they have the old city of Dubrovnik, the walled-off area, there's only one hotel in the area, which I think is like a Hilton. So if anybody's going to be going on their own or even with a guided tour company, you're going to be about five to six miles away from the city center of the walls itself. So we stayed behind, hiked the walls, took a bus back to the hotel after we own. hiked the fort. And yeah. so on my Instagram, I posted a video of Jamal walking up the steps saying, I thought this was going to be an easy day as we're <laughs> hiking up the fort. Because that was harder than the walls itself. Because like Brittany said, the walls are only at its highest point, 83 feet high. So yes, it does make a square, but it's not like an even square. So there is some up down, but really 83 feet is not bad. But hiking from water level up several hundred feet of stairs into the... Uh, fort that Brittany said was included in the ticket price that was more the hard part but it was so humid without being too gross when we got back to the hotel like swamp ass 
yes. more than that. But beyond <laughs> that, beyond just me, like Brittany's romper was soaked. Oh, like, there was no was soaked. All of our clothing was wet. Wet. I was wow. there in April 2010, and it was beautiful. Well, lucky you. <laughs> but I didn't walk the wall. But the walls in the fort gave panoramic views of the city, of the coastline, of just everything. And it was so worth it. It was one of my favorite days, even though it was so hot. All those views that are so hard to get to are always worth it. Yes. Yeah. And then you know, after- really nice. It's I a mean, metaphor any, for life. Anyone who goes, definitely do the walls. They, they definitely do charge a lot for it, but you can definitely see more of the view, like seeing into the city, seeing the coast it's really nice and worth it and then after we went back to our hotel we got ready for dinner and we took a boat on the adriatic looking at dubrovnik and so it took us to a beach that looked out to the city the old city the old city and so it was really nice yeah so this was actually with gate one and the guided tours you know the tours are included but sometimes they have additional add-ons that you pay for so we paid for this it was a sunset cruise that took us to a beach that was made maybe a couple miles away from the old city, but we had a view of it. So we got to watch sunset on the beach at a restaurant and having dinner, which was really, really nice. And Mm. by that time, it had definitely cooled down a lot and the mosquitoes were out and about. After dinner, we did get into the water at that beach and it was really nice again. You brought your swimsuits with you? and No, we got up to our knees. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't get in. Was the water warm or cold? It was perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, it's it's Mediterranean water. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So then that was our last day in Dubrovnik. We were still in Croatia, but we had to drive to Split. And so Jamal did say that we did have to cross into Bosnia. Bosnia. We did have to drive through Bosnia because Croatia is actually a split country where there's a divide where there's eight miles of the coast that's Bosnia before it becomes Croatia again. Really? I did that. Oh, I can see that on the map. But I drove from Split to Dubrovnik on an overnight train and they came like ravaging through the train, waking everyone up and screwing the shit out of everyone. Yeah. Yeah, because you need a passport for a security check. So even though you're in the same country, you have to cross over and then go through like a border control. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is odd, but, you know, I equate it to thinking of the rest of the United States and Alaska. Granted, it's not that short of a distance, but it's still part of the United States that doesn't touch. Croatia is kind of the same thing, but Bosnia only has that like eight miles of yeah, coastland so that you have to weird. drive through to get to it's it. like the whole thing, just, just a tiny little mm-hmm. smidge. Yeah. So we drove to Split and in Split, we did a tour of Old Town and Diocletian's Palace. And this was actually my favorite tour that we took. So I'm going to give you guys Why? a little. Mine too information about it so splits on the water there's a water promenade and then there's a big palace and so the ruler of the palace actually had killed people to get to the very top diocletian was a roman emperor Mm -hmm. but he retired but in rome there really is no retirement even if you retire people think you're going to come back take over so he was paranoid for his life so So he built this palace so he built this palace and it's two stories and he builds the bottom floor to replicate the top floor in the bottom floor no one lives there there's nothing there and part of it is flooded by the ocean so he lives on the top floor which exactly mimics the bottom floor and he is so paranoid because he's retired he thinks people are going to kill him so he starts killing people around him in the village that are questioning his status declares himself immortal so people are saying like (laughs) is he really immortal he's questioning them and executing them and he's pretty much like has an entire village hating him and it's just him 
his wife, his daughter, and then like a hundred guards that are guarding this palace. Who live within the palace itself. Okay. And so he gets so paranoid to the point that he ends up executing his wife and daughter outside of the palace Mm. on the square and he even builds himself a crypt on the palace grounds so he ends up dying about two weeks later and they don't know what happened they don't know if the guards just were like well if he's willing to execute his wife and daughter then he's willing to yeah he's gonna (laughs) do this to us so he ends up dying they put his body in the crypt and people from the village come and they're like how did this happen he said he's immortal Mm -hmm. so they say okay we're gonna check his pulse they check his pulse they realize he's dead and they throw his body out to sea and so everyone in the surrounding village that hates him goes to live in the palace and as kind of like a fuck you like fuck you so now that so intense (laughs) it was a really interesting story so now 700 people have moved into this palace so what did they do about toilets well what they did before was they would poop on the second floor and it would drop into the first floor. Which hoping there was water that was supposed to from flood the ocean. that area anyway. So they were hoping for the ocean current to take in and out the urine and feces. Well, what happens when there's 100 <laughs> people living and then 700 people move in? A lot more shit. There's a lot more shit. So no. the entire so bottom floor fills to the brim up to the second story with shit and they realize they can't shit in it anymore <laughs> so they stop shitting it and no one does anything about it the so, current couldn't get no, it no like the water has since receded where the water used to come up in the palace and flood the bottom purposely by design just the sea level line has actually changed so it's not at that point anymore they have like a street promenade on the outside so no water is coming to wash it or anything like no that. one's smelling this i mean i don't know what they were doing so i wonder how long it took it's for better. it to fill up so it's it filled better. it's 100 filled and now they declare this a unesco world heritage site <laughs> so they start because people still live in there to this day so they start old town and area. still yeah. shit in no, it? No. Well, not no. like that anymore. So they realize that there's a problem. And before it's a World Heritage Site, they get little kids to start piling out pounds of the shit. But then UNESCO hears about it and like the university, I think, of... They said Minnesota, Minnesota I think it was. excavates tons and tons and tons of shit out of there. There's petrified wow. shit all petrified over the place. Petrified shit. Literally, it's, it's petrified. petrified means like it's been frozen and solid and it's preserving it's actually preserving the ruins so people that actually live there are unwilling to get all of this crap removed because if you own the top you own everything underneath it according to croatian law and they're unwilling to get it removed because they're afraid if they remove all of this crap that their bottom floor is going to fall in. Mm-hmm. So a lot of universities, University of Michigan, obviously UNESCO, they've actually done some of the excavation of it. So our tour guide was telling us, do you notice how good these walls look down here compared to like up there? It's because we're standing up until maybe 60 years ago. This was really all filled with solidified feces, shit, and whatnot. They've since taken it out, but she took us to one area where there's actually still a little tucked in area that's roped off. And she said, you see this rope right here? She said, this is actually a borderline of somebody's house. You put this rope here and you can see everything that's back here. She's like, this is actually what some of the petrified feces look like. 
the people above under Croatian law, they own what's below their home. So they don't want anybody digging this because they think if they dig it, their top is going to crumble down. So there's an area in the bottom level where you can actually like see still it. see it. Did we it smell? No, we asked no, it why didn't. it smelled. And then she so it was like, we're sponsored by Glade. <laughs> <laughs> they do like spray it so it doesn't smell. They Did do. you guys smell anything? No, no not we at didn't. all. And the people that still live in it are direct descendants of the original people that moved into the palace when Diocletian died. They've since passed this down generation, generation to, to generation. generation. So they didn't cool. have all these rooms. People have built it up. Really, really interesting story. But side note, they filmed some scenes from Game of Thrones here just as well for any Game of Thrones fans. As a matter of fact, the scene where she keeps the dragons in the dark kind of tied up and Tyrion goes in and is like, don't eat the help. Does anyone remember that? Yeah. No, I wasn't a watcher. Oh, okay. Well, they filmed that scene there and several other things. But Split was actually really cool, especially the palace. Very interesting. We went out for dinner that night after Jamal and I did the city tour. We went back to our hotel and then we walked back out to the city and we went to a place. It was called Bucamora for pizza and all they sell is pizza. We had the best pizza I've ever had. It was a white sauce with mushrooms and truffles and it was mm-hmm. so good. And while we were there for lunch, we we actually ate at an authentic place called FIFA for lunch. And what kind of food was on the menu at FIFA? So a lot of goulashes. I had some gnocchi with goulash sauce almost. And Describe so you, a goulash. Like a thick stew, like, but yeah, just like a, really like oh, okay, okay. meat and then the sauce. And then Jamal had some escalope for dinner some or for what? lunch. Escalope. What is that? It's pounded out like either chicken, pork, or beef really thin. I had pork and it had a, like a mushroom sauce with it. And what did it come with on the side? Oh, I got french fries on the side with it. Yeah. Sounds good. So that is some of the local cuisine. So we did have that for lunch on the recommendation of our tour guide. But like Brittany said, Boca Mora, honestly, some of the best pizza I've ever had in my life. How about any Middle Eastern food or Greek food, falafel, shawarma? We saw a lot of it there. We just didn't try it. Okay. So it was prevalent. Absolutely. So outside of the golden gates of Diocletian's palace, there was a big statue and it was of Gregory of Nin. And he was a Croatian bishop who strongly opposed the Pope because during this time that he was alive, mass was only offered in Latin. And he believed that the services should be offered in their native language. Because most people didn't understand Latin just Mm -hmm. as well. He got it so that services were in their native Croatian language. And so people loved him so much, they started rubbing his toe for good luck. (laughs) And so his toe on the statue is now gold. And eventually, I think when the Italians took over, they cut his statue into five and buried it and took it down. Is it just the toe? No. And no, then they have a full statue of him still, but they've re. So then they dug it back up and they put it together and they put the golden toe right outside of the golden gates of Diocletian Palace. <laughs> so, so we went and rubbed the toe. So it's a statue for him. It. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's believed to bring good luck. So we rubbed his toe for good luck. Nice. How big was it? It's a big toe. It's a big statue. <laughs> <laughs> So after Split, we were still going to be in Croatia, but we actually drove to Plitvica National Park. And I didn't even know how to pronounce this. I'm still probably not pronouncing it right, but I've known of this place. If you Google Croatian lakes, this is going to come up. I guarantee you anyone who's on Instagram has seen it before. And it's also a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And again, still in Croatia. Do you want to tell them what the lakes are, Brittany? Yeah, there are 16 lakes. 
and they're all interconnected by cascading waterfalls. So oh, it's, it's so super pretty. beautiful. Yeah. Did you just Google that? Yes, oh, yeah. that's gorgeous. Once we got there, they said that we could have like a tour with our guide and we asked if we could just go alone because it just so happened that our hotel was inside the national park and very mm-hmm. easy to get to. Mm-hmm. And we weren't going anywhere for the night. So Jamal and I just took off on our own and our tour group was only gonna explore one section of the park. And Jamal and I wanted to explore all of the sections. So we went off on our own. And when you first walk down, so the lakes are far down and you have to hike down to get down there, which means you also have to hike out as Mm -hmm. well. You get the first glimpse of the lakes and everyone's piling up for those first pictures. Everyone's piling up to like see the biggest waterfall. And Jamal and I were like, the waterfall doesn't really look super impressive during this season that we went. So we took a quick look at it, but we passed by and the farther and farther that we went, the more impressive it became mm-hmm. and less people were on the trail so there were parts that we had alone as well the water was tinges of blue turquoise green some parts even look a little bit darker so they're like blue almost gray but overall so beautiful i mean really clear you could see the fish in there you could see the fallen foliage of the trees really clear and beautiful but one of the reasons why Brittany and i did it alone is because when we were about to start our tour again our local tour guide stood us in front of a map and said okay this is what the park looked like this is what we're going to explore and we were only going to explore the two lower lakes which are the largest and yes you could see like a few waterfalls but the more you go up the levels of the 16 interconnecting lakes that's when you can actually see more of the waterfalls and the smaller lakes and the smaller lakes so it was really cool because the entire pathway that's there is made like of a little wooden bridge that's just a few feet above the water so really really pretty really really and there's no there's not a lot of railing so if you wanted to reach over and feel the water you can and be careful because if you're walking fast, you don't want to fall off. (laughs) (laughs) But no, this might have been my favorite day. I'm still unsure what I would say, but this one was really nice. Nice. And then if you hike up from entrance one to entrance three, there is a shuttle bus that will take you back to the front or you can hike the entire loop if you wanted to yourself. So you have different options of how far you want to go and where you can end. Our last stop in Croatia was in Opatija for ice cream. And it was just a little seaside town with resorts it was on the north end of the adriatic coast and this town is actually famous for its beaches and picturesque surroundings and that was all we did before crossing the border into slovenia when we went into slovenia the first stop that we were going to do was the postjana caves so the postjana caves are the largest show caves in europe and by show cave that means just available for the public to go in see explore etc the largest caves in europe are still actually in slovenia just as well they're just not available to the public and it's so big that you actually have to get on a train and you're on a 10 minute train ride through the cave system to get to where the cave tour starts. I actually felt like I was on a Disneyland ride or something like Big Thunder Mountain. Like we (laughs) were in the cave on a train. It takes you literally 10 minutes driving in and obviously see stalagmites, stalactites along the way. And Jamal and I have done several caves in the past and we're like, okay, how different can this be? But every time we go into a new cave system, we're like, wow, this is impressive. And that was exactly how we felt. This also had 
a salamander called an ulm. It's an aquatic salamander that's only found in European caves and it sleeps, eats, and breeds underwater. It was crazy to see too. If you had to take a 10 minute train ride just to get there, imagine the man who walked there to figure out that that was even there. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> like at what point do you uh, just keep going well, like uh, or just well, turn like back? Well, like I said, on the train ride, you can still see stalagmites, stalactites, a lot of interesting formations. So it was just a big opening. Like it does go, the cave system's 15 miles long. So, so funny that you say that, Zena. The guy that found it became their first tour guide of the cave system. <laughs> before you got the funds hey. to build a train. Yeah. <laughs> and how did these cave systems first get created? There's a river that's right by it. I forgot the name of the river, but it's right by the cave system. And they are limestone rock and limestone. Obviously, the water will come through. As it comes through, it builds calcium deposits and other types of minerals. And so when it drips through the rocks, that's what over time creates the buildup for the stalagmites, stalactites. So, I mean, these have taken obviously hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years to form. Mm. So from the caves, we drove to Bled and our hotel was located on Lake Bled. And on Lake Bled, there's an island in the middle, which houses a church. And then on the cliffs, there is a castle. So it was just very, very beautiful. We had views from our hotel, the breakfast buffet, there was views. And How then was the food though? Walk us through the spread. <laughs> <laughs> this one was just okay. It was just okay, but the views made it beautiful and perfect. And then- Yep, sorry, before you continue on, Bled is actually in the Alps. So it's an alpine lake, really foresty, really green. You know, we said Montenegro was really green. So was Slovenia, what we saw. Slovenia was really, really pretty in that sense just as well. And so once we got to Bled, it was later in the afternoon and we had been having tons of authentic cuisine the entire trip. So we actually went out to Chinese food for dinner. Chinese food <laughs> in Chinese. Bled, Slovenia. Yes. yes. And was it, it was run by an authentic Chinese family. And I wouldn't say it was the best Chinese food I've ever had, but for that area, it was really good. For nice. being in Slovenia and and the, probably the ingredients that they have access to out there, like Brittany said, it's not the best Chinese food, but for what it was there, it was delicious. Was there a lot of Chinese food or was that just random? It was just random. It was kind of random. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of random. We loved it so much. We ate there twice, as a matter wow. of fact. What did you order? <laughs> the first night. We, we got egg rolls mm. and then we ended up getting a noodle and veggie dish as well. It was as... like a veggie chow mein. And then we got some sweet and sour pork. Yum. Mm. We got sweet and sour pork. The second night, Zana, guess what we got? Um, duck. 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 I got it. I was like, <laughs> What would be so surprising? We, we got some duck. Well, we looked for other places to eat, and we were going to do a different pizza place that was there without getting too far off on the subject of blood right now. But that place we went to for lunch, and then we got there and we ordered the pizza. And it's not just a pizza parlor. He told us, oh, we don't do pizza today. I'm like, okay. So we left, and we're like, what else are we going to eat? So we went back to Chinese, That's and we weird. got the duck that day. So the hotel we stayed at was actually called Park Hotel, and it's famous for its cream cake. And they sell, like in the high season, up to like 3,500 slices per day. Wow. So we're what like... What is it? Describe it. It's four layers. It's a flaky bottom crust. 
Okay. And like then, a pillow dough kind of thing. But a little bit thicker. I don't want to call it a graham cracker, but it definitely had a little bit more of that thickness and texture, not necessarily of that of a phyllo. And then it had like a layer of one type of cream, and then okay. it had a smaller layer of another type of cream, and then it had the same crust on the top as well. Mm. So it was delicious. So we ate that overlooking the lake. It was just really beautiful. We had that at night. It was nice. And it was at night, the castle and the cliff is lit up. So it was mm-hmm. a great view. That's awesome. That's just making me so excited for Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> when I hear you talking about that stuff. And that was all we did the first day in blood. But then the second day, this was actually a free day. And we decided to do the optional tour mm-hmm. because there's no Disneyland in Slovenia. Oh. <laughs> Bummer. So we did the city tour and the island that I talked about in the middle of the lake, we took a boat out there called cool. a Pletna. And this guy literally rows us himself. He just has both arms out with the oars and he's just rowing, <laughs> rowing. And he looks so intense doing it was he buff yeah. i was just thinking that i was like what did his, his biceps look like he was buff and then one of the guys on the boat who was just sitting there was like guess you don't gotta go to the gym <laughs> what a witty remark i know right so we get to the island and once you get to the island there's 99 steps that you have to climb up to get to the church that's there hmm. so immediately if no you don't <laughs> we're like okay so it we was, climbed up it wasn't that bad at all actually but the lake is really nice beautiful blue color just as well and again it has the island on it that has the church the church is actually called the pilgrimage church of the assumption of mary so it's a church dedicated to the virgin mary and within the church you can actually ring the bell so at the altar they have the rope for the bell and you can ring it so if you Mm -hmm. ring it three times and make a wish it's supposed to obviously make it true so we got to ring the bell and what you guys wish for i can't tell tell you you. won't come true kim i did that in (laughs) spain they had something where you get to ring the bell and so there's a tradition this church Mm -hmm. is still working so they use it for mass still and they also use it for weddings so it's good luck if the groom carries his bride all the way up all of those steps (laughs) and they go and make a wish you know who wouldn't have a problem carrying his bride up the guy rowing the boat. The yes. <laughs> yes. He's got the muscles. Yes, he does. Yeah. So after we did the island and the church there, the tour continued on. We went to Lake Boinch. I can't pronounce it. I'm going to spell it for everybody. It's spelled B-O-H-I-N-J. And again, it's just another alpine resort town. It has a glacial lake in front of it, but it's located within a Slovenian national park. The park's name is Triglav, and it's the largest permanent lake in Slovenia. And they have a lot of skiing around in that area too. It's a mm-hmm. really, really nice alpine town just as well. Real scenic beauty in Slovenia. I think yeah, it's Bojen. Bojen. Thank you. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I took off my shoes and I put my feet in the water and it was really nice. The water was cold. Well, it was raining on us at that point, too. Yeah, we did get a little rain. But it was so beautiful and so picturesque. And then Jamal and actually I had actually wanted to eat at the castle because there's a restaurant on the top. And we hadn't. The reason we didn't was because the final night, there was a farewell reception at Mm. the Blood Castle. So we went up for that. And it Mm. had views from the castle down onto the lake. You could see our hotel and everything. And it was was this 
put on by gate one. This yes. was. And what was it like? Did they have booze? You can get a glass of wine. Just white one? Or, yeah. Exactly. I mean, you've been mm. on a gate one, Kim. You know, like the booze is included for one if you want more. It's kind of like I've heard the, in but, Africa it was a lot different. Well, we did some booze cruises that were part of the tours that were a little bit different. That weren't included with the dinners okay. necessarily. So okay. that's where the difference comes into play. It's a 400 foot cliff and that's what the castle's on top of. Nice. Overlooking the lake. And Pretty. it was a perfect place to end our tour. Very nice. So that pretty much sums up our trip. But the last portion I want to talk about is cost. So just it's a long trip, 12 days. Mm -hmm. So how much does a 12 day trip on a guided tour end up cost? Break it down with how much we paid for the tour itself. Again, our tour includes flights, hotels, transportation, entrance to the national parks and activities like the city tours, all breakfasts, some lunches, few dinners. And this also included what we paid for the optional tours as well. For the both of us, we paid $4,739. And for everything else, souvenirs, meals that were not included, we even included our lift and taxis to and from our airports, buses, tips for guides, drinks, and massages. We spent $1,235.92. So for (laughs) a grand total, we spent, for the both of us, $5,974.92. Nice. About a little less than three grand each for a 12-day adventure. Yeah. Yeah. All expenses paid. Yeah. Exactly. And a lot of the expenses that were on our own was, yes, you're on vacation, you want to spoil yourself, but we had those massages, which kind of added up. You guys are aware we love to buy Christmas ornaments in each city that we're at, and sometimes the good ones are $20 to $30. -hmm. So, I mean, a lot of people could hear that, and I don't think it's that bad i know for some people they may think like oh that's expensive but in terms of what we chose to spend out of pocket outside of the guided tour we could have definitely eaten at cheaper places and not gotten those souvenirs and it's definitely a lot more manageable for people yeah absolutely that's a pretty good deal to me yeah especially i don't know if we ever mentioned this on our last one but with gate one if you buy your trip in advance you can make payments on it Mm -hmm. so that lightens the burden of the cost and you guys got this one on sale didn't you We did get it on sale. It was buy one, get one half off, but that half off only included the land portion, not the airfare portion Mm -hmm. of it. The other thing about gate one is if you pay cash, they give you like a cash discount. Yeah, we also paid cash, so we had a 5% cash discount. The rate that you give, does Mm -hmm. that include the 5% discount? Yes, it does. Keep your eye on those sales, paying cash. All right, any like last minute thoughts? My last thought is everyone spoke English in every single country we went to. Good English. Really good English. Really good English. Mm. And so that wasn't something I was necessarily expecting. Actually, in Montenegro, they say that English is taught as their second language, and they're required to learn three languages in Montenegro, Montenegrin, English, and then one language of their choice. Oh, wow. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed touring along the Adriatic coast with Jamal and Brittany. Please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, tell us what you'd like, and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. And if you aren't already, make sure you're following us on Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast. Pack your bags because next week we are exploring Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Jamal's birthday trip. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.